Kia ora. Welcome to Business Your Way, a podcast where I take you behind the scenes and look at the strategies, systems and support needed to grow and scale an online service business. Because you deserve a business that doesn't feel like work, one that gives you energy and the resources to do what matters most to you. Whether it's figuring out where to spend your time, how to maximize your profitability, or streamlining your processes so things get done quickly and efficiently, my guests and I, we've got you covered. I'm your host, Sandra Julian, Indigenous mama of three, fashion-loving sewist, and business strategist. Each week, I want to help you dream big, plan well, and do the work to grow and scale your business your way. Hey friend, welcome to episode 12 of the podcast. Today I'm chatting with Jenny Sunnison. Jenny is the founder of Savvy Podcast Agency and you are in for a real treat today. If you are an established service provider, you've got a full client load and you're just wondering what is my next steps? Do I just cap my clients at where I'm at and enjoy what I'm doing right now? Or is it time to really step into being the business owner with a team who can help me? So am I growing into an agency or am I doing something else? You've got all of the questions around how do I bring on a team? So if I want to grow my business and bring on somebody else to help me in my team, what does that look like? Do I need to consider how I'm doing things? Do I need to do things differently? You've got all of the questions about what it might look like to begin to grow your business and have others come and help you serve your clients. You might also have a bit of anxiety around what if I do bring on someone to help my clients and they just they don't do it like I do it. They don't do it as well as I do it. And I'm I'm just afraid that I'm going to lose my quality of service. So you've got questions, you've probably got a bit of fear going on there, and you just want to have someone share their story as to how they've built it so you can dive a little bit behind the scenes and start to ask the questions of yourself oh, that's how they did it, how might that work for me? And in today's episode, Jenny and I go deep behind the scenes of her business. We started with how she started her podcast agency, because that's not how she started her business. I'll let her share that story with you. But we talk about how she started her agency, how she grew her team, what systems she used before she had a team, and how she was able to bring a team on board using her systems. How she set up her processes so it was easy for her new team members to be able to do the client work just as she had been doing the client work and still creating loyal customers and loyal clients and she's actually created a base of clients who happily refer her so who talk about the great service that she provides and they refer their friends and their other business colleagues over to Jenny for their podcasting needs. So today's episode, we're going to dive into behind the scenes of how Jenny grew her agency and how she continues to get clients who rave about her to others and the referrals in her business just keep coming. So that's enough for me. Let's get into the conversation with Jenny. Hey Jenny, welcome to the Business Your Way podcast. So lovely to have you here today. We've been trying to connect a couple of times. We haven't quite made it. So I'm really pleased that we're able to have this conversation today and dive into all the things that you do. Yes, me too. It has been a long time coming. It's like (laughs) one of those things when you're a parent, uh, your whole schedule can get uprooted in like 
hours and you can't really do anything about it. So totally. I'm glad we're finally here and able to actually talk. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we have our own businesses, right? So we can be flexible around our kids and our family. Yes, totally. 100%. Righty, let's start off. If I can ask you to introduce yourself, what you do, who you serve and how you make your moolah. Yeah. So I am Jenny. I um, the owner of Savvy Podcast Agency, which is a podcast management and marketing agency. Uh, we help clients launch and grow their podcasts. And I'm also starting to venture into mentoring current and aspiring podcast managers as well to help them kind of grow as a business owner, kind of get booked out, and then eventually go towards the agency route themselves if they want to, or other avenues that, you know, once they're booked out that they need you know, they still want money, but they don't want to continue serving more clients. Totally. I get that. Uh, so how did you get to be here? Well, long story short, basically I used to work in social media marketing at a local mall. So I was like kind of the social media coordinator at a local mall. I hated it because mostly because the mall itself did not have good stores. So it was not very inspiring for me to, you know, promote these stores that I could care less about. And from there, I started my own social media business so that I could actually help people who, you know, who had businesses I actually cared about. So, and then I kind of got burnt out from that because social media is on like 24 seven. You basically don't really get a break from it. You're constantly having to post new stuff. You're constantly having to respond to messages from people, all kinds of different support requests, things like that. So I just felt like I just didn't have a break ever. And it really led to burnout. And I was wondering, I was thinking like, okay, I started this business for a reason, right? Like I wanted to be home with my kids in the future when I had them at the point, at that point, I didn't. So I kind of just sat back and thought about like what I wanted for long-term and social media just didn't seem like it was going to be in my path anymore. And I ended up starting my own podcast in the midst of that. And it had nothing to do with podcasting like it does now, but, um, I started my own podcast. I really fell in love with it as an introvert myself. I, it just felt like a really good solid medium for me because video is kind of overwhelming and scary. And, you know, I liked writing, but it just didn't, didn't feel like a place for me anymore. So when I started my podcast, um, I was managing all myself, kind of learning the ins and outs there. Um, and I had a client approach me, a potential client, and they asked, you know, if I had experience managing podcasts. I was like, no, not for clients, but I do my own podcast and all that stuff. And we ended up working together and then, wow, this is like actually a an industry. <laughs> like I didn't know that that was something that you can actually do. So then I just kind of went all in from there. And, you know, I kept my social clients for a while, but I slowly weeded them out as I got more podcast clients. So I switched to a full service podcast kind of company in, you know, mid 2019. And then that's where we are today. Nice. Seven team members other than myself. So eight total. Yeah. So I started my business in 2016. So it's been a couple of years, couple iterations of it, but I, yeah, I just can't imagine still doing social media management. Like it was fun and it was a great way to start my career, but you know, I just can't ima- imagine doing that now, you know, five years later. Yeah. And I think our business goes through many iterations from where we start, like when we get into business and we think, oh yeah, this will be what I'm going to do. But we just don't know what we don't know at the time. And then your business ends up by going through many iterations of the different services that you offer. And in Mm -hmm. my experience, it's because one client says to you, do you do this? Can you do this for me? And you're like, sure, I know how to do that. So let let me give that a go for you. Let me see if what I do for myself, I can replicate for you. And then that just takes us down a whole different path. So I really relate to your story around, you know, the iteration of business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, you know, I, like I said, I can't imagine going back to where I was. So I think sometimes we just need to continue doing that. We grow as people. And I think a lot of people are scared to, you know, they feel like they're stuck in whatever they chose when they first started their business. And that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, that's not to say you should be changing your business every 10 seconds or every two months. Like that's obviously 
just a lot of work for no reason, but it's definitely okay to evolve as time goes on. It's definitely, I mean, you know, five years is quite a long time, especially, you know, I, I was probably, I think it was 22, 23 when I, I was 23 when I started my business. Now I'm about 29. So, you know, a lot of growing up happened in those years and it's okay to really just shift as long as you're not doing it constantly. I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, having different iterations of your business and just growing and learning and offering different services and things like that. Yeah. And I think it is a result of us as individuals growing and learning and stepping into our business. And as we learn, as we grow, and as we really take hold of our business and really think about where it's going, that creates the iteration, not because of the want of wanting to change all the time, but I think it's just an evolution. So how long ago did you bring on staff? When was that in your business journey? So I hired an editor. That was my first hire because that was the one thing I didn't do for myself. And that was the one thing I didn't really care to learn when it came to podcast management. So that was my first person that I brought on my team to um, help, you know, clients. And I want to say he came onto my team late 2018 when I started working with that first podcasting client. So that was my first person that came onto the team. And came on in a part-time capacity. So your editor has grown with you as your clients have grown? Yes. Yeah. So all, of, all currently all of my team members are part-time contractors. We don't have any full-time members that eventually I definitely hope that changes. I'd like to at least have like a full-time assistant or something, but as of right now, yeah, we're all, they're all at part-time contractor status. What do the other members of your team do? So are they all editors or what does the mix and makeup of your team look like? Yeah. So we have, we have the editor, we have an actual, we brought an additional editor a couple months ago. So now we have two audio editors. I have a video editor, but he's not like, involved in any team stuff. He's mostly just, I found him on Fiverr and that's where we primarily communicate. So he's like, he's, you know, he assists if he's not really on the team per se, if you could, if you get my drift. And then we also have two people who write show notes. So they're doing the copy and things like that uh, for our clients. And then we have one social media manager. So she, we have a couple of clients that in addition to the show notes and editing, they also do like the marketing. So we help them with captions for Facebook and Instagram and graphics and things like that and hashtag research for Instagram. And then, so just one of those. And then I also have a graphic designer who comes on and she doesn't design regularly for us, but it's if we have launch clients or clients, you know, who need social media templates for their podcast and things like that. So she's, she's on our team, but she's not like regularly creating stuff for clients. And then we also offer podcast pitching. So I have a PR person on our team as well, who pitches for our clients and myself. So they'll pitch, she'll pitch me to be on podcasts too. And I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, and then I have an admin who does a couple things for me and she's the only one who doesn't work on client stuff. All the rest do client stuff. So I only have one person supporting me, but she doesn't do too much. I still am very, very much in the weeds, which I would like to get out of pretty soon because I feel like it's kind of overwhelming to be where I'm at right now. So that's kind of the team makeup. So two show notes, two editors, one social media manager, one graphic designer, and one admin person, and then me. That's a decent sized team. Talk to me about how you manage your team. Because they're all contractors, do you just communicate with them individually or do you have team meetings? How does the communication in a team of contractors work? Yeah, so because obviously I'm not dictating when and where they work, we do chat in Slack a lot, but it's at, you know, they don't have to be on the clock per se from like nine to five or whatever. They can communicate in Slack whenever they're available. I do, you know, I do prefer when they have a little bit of daytime availability. I don't ask them, like if they're doing stuff during night, I don't care at all. Like, obviously that's fine. Do it when you can. But I do like when they communicate with me during the day, because I try not to be available during night. But yeah, so we use Slack mostly. We do have team meetings every Monday. 
and they're not required by any means. And I do pay the team members for that meeting that they attend if they do decide to attend it. But yeah, so that's kind of our structure. But most of the time we communicate primarily about status updates. We also use ClickUp as well just to manage the client projects. So they're marking their tasks done in there as well, in addition to you know communicating on Slack. Yeah. And is your preference, and maybe that's not the right word, but looking long-term into your business, do you think the contractor arrangement will be something that you continue to work with in your agency? Or do you think that you will evolve down the line to being more employee arrangements where you've got a bit more of a a close-knit team who will be able to work on the business with you rather than just being task-orientated? I, at this point, I'm feeling like the people who are doing the client work are going to continue to be contractor base for the foreseeable, but I do want to bring in some internal team members that helped me. So, because I have two facets of my business, I have the agency side and then kind of like the passive income quote unquote side where I have courses and memberships and things like that. So I'm anticipating keeping kind of the client ones kind of more contractor facing and then putting kind of an account manager at the head of that. So the account manager would probably be at least part-time, if not full-time eventually. That's kind of my plan. And then then having some like core internal team members that don't do any work for the agency side. They mostly work with me. So that's kind of my, my vision right now, just having account manager oversee the contractors and making sure that that's getting done. And then they're the ones communicating with the clients as well, because right now, it's me communicating with the clients and that can be a lot since we do have like 17 clients now. <laughs> yeah, that that's a lot. Like the client management work is a lot of forward facing, a lot of interaction, and that can be really draining on a business owner. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I right now I'm doing 100% of it and that's, you know, I'm going to be hiring at least one account manager and we'll probably split the duties for a while. So they'll do half and I'll do half, you know, until they feel comfortable. And then we'll kind of, you know, potentially hand off more to them as well so that I can really focus on, you know, the quote unquote CEO activities that I need to be doing because right now it's kind of gets pushed to the back burner um, because I'm so busy focusing on making sure my clients are happy making sure the team is happy. I don't have as much time to you know, focus on extra growth, especially on the weeks where my son is not feeling very good. (laughs) So, so it's definitely something I definitely want to outsource in the future and be able to really have someone that helps with that client management aspect because it is so time consuming, but so necessary. Totally. I just want to like go back a couple of steps for a minute. Growing your business into an agency, was that something that you had on your plan from the get-go or was that something that just happened over time because you secured more and more clients and you just didn't have the capacity to work with all of them? So before you knew it, you were an agency. Was that like a conscious decision? That's a good question. Um, So I didn't always know that I wanted to be an agency. Like obviously when I was first starting my business, I was just happy to get clients. Um, But when I did go to the podcast management focus, I started thinking a little more about it because at that point we were considering having kids and I hadn't, you know, hadn't got pregnant or yet or anything, but I was considering having kids and I was like, I'm not gonna be able to manage this many clients by myself without any help. So it kind of happened you know, it happened a little sooner than I anticipated because, you know, I ended up getting pregnant. And then I was like, I definitely want to take three months off maternity leave this summer. Um, my son was born in June, 2020. So I was like, I want to take three months off once he's born so I can adjust to being a mom and not have to worry about my business completely just crumpling up and dying. <laughs> so, mm. so I kind of like, when I found out I was pregnant, I kind of had a mini meltdown. I'm like, Oh no, my business is not going to survive this. I don't have any systems in place to, you know, make sure that I can have this three month maternity leave that I really want to have without, you know, I need to hire people. So it became an agency a lot quicker than I was anticipating it. But honestly, I like, I can't imagine not having the agency model now because I literally would not be able to serve as many clients as I have, or even the clients that we did have, in 2020, you know, just by myself. So I'm very thankful for it. And honestly, 
it wouldn't have happened as quick as it did if I didn't get pregnant. But I also appreciate that push because I don't know if I would have gotten it to the level that it is now without that. Right. So. So tell me about that journey of putting systems in place so you could have a team. So what did your business look like when there was just you in relation to your systems and processes? And then how did you evolve that so you were ready for a team? Yeah. So, I mean, I did have like the typical like CRM, like Dubsado and stuff, and I had workflow set up. So it wasn't like completely like me pushing the button on everything to send manually. But when it came to like managing the clients and all the systems and stuff for the, you know, for my clients, like writing show notes, things like that, I didn't have like written SOPs or even videos of anything. So I was just like, I need to get something like written and out of my brain at least, or at least videoed and out of my brain so that like people can do what I'm doing while I'm out. So I just sat down and figured out like, okay, what do I need to make video and written SOPs for? And from there, I just kind of, anytime I would do something for a client, I would record my screen. So it wasn't anything like super formal because, you know, I didn't really have the time for that, but I knew I needed something. So I would just, you know, anytime I was uploading an episode for a client to their host, their podcast host, I would record my screen and walk through the steps and talk it through. And then from there, I had kind of a library of like video SOPs so that when I did hire people on at the beginning of 2020, or I guess, you know, March, April of 2020, right before I went on maternity leave, that they had stuff to follow. And that worked really, really well. And, you know, even though it wasn't anything super formal, everyone I had hired on at that point really found it very useful to use. And, you know, it was, it wasn't anything pretty, but um, it got the job done. (laughs) So from there, I just had like this library of SOPs for them to refer back to. And now we have stuff that's like more formal and more written out now that we've, you know, grown and I've had a little bit more time to focus on that instead of having to do all the work myself. But yeah, that is kind of what we went in with when I went into maternity leave. We just had these video SOPs and they serve their purpose. So. And they serve their purpose, which is the main thing is that you got it out of your head and somebody else was able to follow the video and do the job. That's so good. Tell me a bit about how did you organize those videos? Where did you store them? You know, let's get down into the practical how to's (laughs) (laughs) because that's what people are going to be asking. Okay. So how did you, what did you use to record them? Where did you store them? Did you put them on YouTube? Did you use Loom? Like all of the questions, I can hear them coming through now. That's a good question. (laughs) Yeah. So I use something called Loom. So it literally just has a desktop extension that I used and I would just record my screen. And then I I pay for Loom. So it's like $10 a month, I think. So I can have, you know, more storage. And, you know, I think now they cap the free videos at five minutes. Most of my videos weren't as long as five minutes, but there were a couple that were a little longer. So it was nice to have that just in case I didn't feel like I was rushing through steps just to fit it in the five minute time frame. But yeah, so I use Loom and then they have like, you can create folders and stuff. So I created folders for each client or if it was like an internal process, it was just kind of like my internal process folder. And then I would link in our Slack channel, um, you can update like the description and then it kind of stays pinned at the top. So I would link the link to the folder up there. And, you know, I could have put them in Google Drive or something, but honestly that would take me downloading them to my computer and then uploading them to Drive. And I was like, we don't need this extra step. So that's kind of how we did it. Now we have some more formalized stuff, like where our written processes actually link out to the Loom videos and stuff versus just being the Loom videos. Um, And that's housed in Google Drive. But at the time it was just like, here's this link. They were all titled appropriately. So you could kind of figure out, okay, this one's for how to upload. This one's how to write show notes. This one's how to create graphics, things like that. Here's how to create an audiogram. So it was properly labeled, but it just you know, I didn't want to spend the time downloading it to my computer and then uploading it back into Google Drive. I was like, this is a waste of time for what we need them for right now. And so how do you organize your SOPs? Like you just said before, you were recording videos per client. So do you have a standard SOP or do they vary slightly for each client that you're managing? So at the time I created them for each client, well, not all of them, some of them, like the client was pretty much the same as the the other ones, but for when it came to like audiograms and things like that, clients had different, you know, hex codes they needed for the colors and things like that. So it depended like for 
like standardly, some of, most of them would be the same, but if it was for like creating graphics or audiograms, I would do them specific for the client because they needed to see which templates they needed to use. They needed to see the colors that they needed to use because that wasn't going to be all the same per client. So, so I created individual ones. And then, you know, within that we had like the client folder. So like each client had their own folder. And then if it was like a one that was just general for my business, then it was in another folder. So here's the client's folder. I had their own individual folder inside that client's folder. And then we have the internal folder. Love it. I love how you've organized all of that. That's making total sense to me as I'm listening to you. So I'm hoping that's making total sense to everybody else as well. I love to hear behind the scenes of how people are systematizing their business. So other than your SOPs, what are what are the other systems that you have that you feel are really important to the smooth running of your agency? I would say having like a system like Slack or whatever you want to use to communicate with your team because email is clunky. I mean, some people love email, but I hate it and things get lost in there for me. So like something quick to communicate with your team that they have up, you know, like you obviously I don't expect immediate responses for my team, but something that they are checking on a frequent basis and, you know, things like that. I would say also a CRM is really helpful. So something like Dubsado or whatever you want to use. I know there's like HoneyBook and other things like that. That's really good to have so that your client management system is taken care of and you can have that all automated with your contracts and invoices and uh, you know your welcome packet, things like that. Everything can be automated there. And I would also say having like a project management tool is really, really important when you have a team. Well, honestly, regardless, but when you have a team for sure, so you know what is getting done, when it's getting done, and you're not feeling the constant need to micromanage. You are just like, if you go to the thing and you see that it's not checked off yet, then you're like, okay, it's not done yet. Um, and then you can see the status there versus bugging people and saying, hey, where are we at with XYZ? Because that can get old fast. So those are kind of the main systems that we typically use within our agency. We're always growing and evolving. But yeah, I think having a client management system like Auto or HoneyBook or whatever, a communication tool like Slack or whatever you want to use, and then a project management tool are just non-negotiables for us as an agency and honestly, a business in general. Because if you ever want to grow as an agency, I think it's important to have uh, those things ready and ready to go from the get-go so that you're not building systems when you need them. You already have them and they've kind of grown with you. So you had them well before you even started growing your team. Yes. I just needed to kind of organize it. I mean, I didn't have the SOPs and stuff, but I did have like the, I I was using Slack with clients already. I was using my project management tool already and I was using my CRM already. I just needed to kind of get all the SOPs out of my head. That was the only thing that was lacking when I was ready to bring on team members. I like it. How are you streamlining your client delivery? So you know, when we move into an agency, we can quickly become scattered by offering bespoke services to each individual client. How are you approaching packaging your services or what we call productizing your services? Or do you literally offer bespoke services to each client that comes on board? So we definitely have a couple different package options on my website and typically people will follow those, but I have found that a lot of podcasters when they're coming to me and they're ready to outsource, they've been podcasting for a little bit. So they already have an editor and they love their editor and they want to stay with their editor. So for those, we'll just say like, here, we'll do everything else except for the editing. And that's fine. As long as the editor is getting us stuff, you know, in the right amount of time, like that their editor is not being the bottleneck for us, then we're totally fine with it. But for the most part, people do stick with kind of our pre-package that we have, unless they already have that editor. And like I said, I'm totally fine if they have an editor that they really jive with, as long as the editor can meet our deadlines and we can work together to make that happen. Because obviously we don't want the editor to hold up 
our process and then the client like well why didn't it get done well and we don't want to be like well your editor was late delivering things so we want to make sure that that's a good relationship and there you know we communicate with them from the get-go like hey here's our turnaround time that we need from you so can you get us these episodes by this date if it goes live on this date and then we kind of work from there and then you know if something ends up being a hold up because the editor didn't get us to us in time then you know that's communicated with the client. So it's like, okay, we didn't have it from your editor until Wednesday, your episode goes live on Thursday. Like that doesn't work. (laughs) So it's just the communication is really, really important. And, you know, sometimes it is managing more people because we're not only managing that client, but then we're talking to the editor. But usually once, you know, we get in a good flow after a month or so that it ends up not being an issue because, you know, they understand that we need to do what we need to do. And they can't be the bottleneck. Otherwise the person is just going to be like, all right, I'm done with this. And then they're going to kind of be like, ask us to edit the podcast instead. So we kind of figured out and work it out with their editor. But like I said, for the most part, people pretty much stick to our packages. I try not to do custom too often unless like I absolutely really, really want to work with a person or if it's just like they already have an editor or something. I'm not like if people are trying to pick out like, oh, but I don't need this and I don't need that. And I don't need that. Then we're just, I'm just kind of like, well, I'm not the podcast manager for you because we don't need to be uh, picking and choosing little parts of our package that are convenient, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that just makes streamlining your business so much easier. I exactly. want to pick up on that point where you said you were moving into courses and memberships to help other podcast managers grow their business. What does that look like for you? Yeah, so it has been something that I've always kind of thought about from the beginning when I did switch to podcast management. I was like, I definitely think I want to help people do this someday, especially once I had my son. I was like, this is solidified because it's one of those jobs that, you know, Obviously, if you don't want to go to an agency, you can still be really, really profitable and not have to have a huge team. That's just the route that I went. But you can easily do podcast management 20 20 to 25 hours a week and still be able to, you know, be a mom and have your kids home with you and stuff like that without growing a team. Once I had my son, I was like, this is something I really want to do. I want to help, you know, not just moms, but moms. That's really important to me to help other women create these flexible careers that bring them in, you know, more than enough money just to get by and that they're able to really help support their family and have their kids home with them if they desire. I mean, my son goes to daycare, but he didn't his first year of life and I was able to be home with him and still work in my business. So that's kind of what I want to help other women do if they you know, if they want to have kids or not, basically. So kind of what that looks like in the future for me is I haven't launched anything quite yet, but um, I'll be launching a podcast solely dedicated to podcast managers and some freebies. And then from there, we'll have courses and other things like that. And I already run virtual summits myself. So I have one for podcasters, which is kind of with my agency. And then I have one for podcast managers, which happens in the fall. And that's obviously for podcast managers. So that will kind of go hand in hand with the other offerings and courses and things like that that are going to be upcoming in 2022, which is crazy Mm. to think about. It's like, wow, we're already almost in 2022. What is happening? And I was talking to someone just yesterday and we were talking about 2023 and we're like, oh, that sounds such a long way away, but really it's only just over 12 (laughs) months away. Like, It's very scary to me. (laughs) It goes so fast. Great. So let's tuck into the summits. Summits are a lot of work and you're delivering two summits. (laughs) Tell me about what tickled your fancy in taking on a summit as a marketing strategy. I think I'm a little crazy. (laughs) No, but, um, but I started running them back in 2018 with my friend and we actually now help people with their summits as well as a side business, which is a completely other story. But yeah, so we, we ran one in 2018 together and we just really liked it. Like this was before I even switched to podcast management or anything like that. We just really enjoyed it. And then we were like, yeah, let's do this again. And then we started running to a year together and then, you know, that was fun. And then last year in February of 2021, right. I guess not last year. It's well, 
basically I'm planning my February, 2022 one now. So it feels like last year, but this year in February, 2021, I hosted my own summit by myself for the first time after, you know, hosting several with my business partner and then helping other people and I do it for myself. I had had all the systems and processes in place from hosting with my business partner for several years. So it was not that bad because I already had all this structure in place. I just needed to get the speakers and the copy and things like that. But I already knew the tech and all kinds of other things like that. So it made it a lot easier. It wasn't like I was just, let me just host the summit all out of the blue. (laughs) So it made it a lot easier to have that structure already ready to go. And I just had to make some tweaks to things. I even was able to use like our homepage and just change the colors and the copy and stuff. And that really helped. I didn't have to start completely from scratch. So yeah. So it's been, it's been really fun to add that because I love connecting with the speakers and the attendees. And it's just been a really great way to continue connecting and giving them something that's completely free and being able to use it to grow both their podcasts. And then, you know, for the podcast manager one, they're able to grow their podcast management business for free. In addition to, you know, I do have a podcast about podcasting, which is also free, but it gives them another resource to learn. And then there's also ways for me to kind of upsell them and make a little additional money too, because the summit is a lot of work to just (laughs) have a free option. Uh, It's too much work to just have a free option, really. Yeah, totally. I run a business event agency and I've done that for the last 20 years. But the this year, February 2021, I hosted my very own virtual summit in oh in cool the format, that's what mine was too February 2021 <laughs> yeah so in the format of an online summit it was all pre-recorded and it was free so mm-hmm. it was completely different to all of the other events that I've run you know in my time but still this the processes were the same the how you marketed it, how you got your speakers on board, all of that, your programming, your scheduling, that was all, you know, I already knew how to do that because that's what I've been doing for the last, I don't know, 20 odd years. So that was super fun to get out of my comfort zone and actually host a virtual summit. Tell me, does your virtual summit, is that your main marketing strategy or what's your strategy behind hosting your summits? Yeah. I mean, for me, it is a great way to bring new leads into the business and get in front of a new audience, but I really just like to do them because of the connection with my speakers and my attendees. Like to me, the connection is the main part. It is nice to bring in new leads and make money of course, but I just really like doing them. I find them really fun and it doesn't hurt to make money while you're having fun. But really, I mean, a lot of my business for my agency, at least comes in via referrals now. Like that's where a lot of our clients are coming from. Like our current clients that have been with us six plus months are sending other people our way. And then we're ended up working together that way. So that's like our main kind of source of revenue is coming from referrals and things like that. I mean, I'm sure I get people from like Facebook groups and Instagram and things like that as well. I mean, I know I do, but referrals have been super huge for the agency's growth explosion over the past year. Yeah. I mean, you can't go past the power of a referring client. That's the same with my agency. I would say 95% of the business that we bring in is through referral and through our clients just talking with their networks and then, yeah, picking up the phone. So yeah, you can't go past the power of referrals for sure. Yeah. It's so powerful. It's insane. It's just like, cause a lot of the time they're like, okay, I'm sold. We don't even need to hop on a call. (laughs) So it's, it's just, it feels effortless. And like most of the time, if it's someone that your client is referring to you, it's usually a good fit. I mean, of course there's sometimes where you're like, why did they refer this person to me? Cause it's just not the greatest fit, but for the most part, they end up being really great clients as well. So it's really, really nice to have that kind of just essentially dropped into your lap after doing a great job for the current client. And they're just kind of like, okay, well, we like what you're doing for us. And, you know, we definitely want to help you out. So we'll send more people your way, which is just always great. And instead of having to like, just search for people yeah. organically, because that can take some time if you're not consistent with it. 
Do you have a process in your business where you encourage your clients for referrals or you are getting testimonials from clients, even though they're still a current client and they're ongoing? Is there a point where you got reach out to them and say, would you do a testimonial for me? Or do you have a formal process by asking for the referral? At this point, I don't have a formal process. It's literally just someone's like, oh, I'm going to send someone else your way. And I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. That's something I definitely want to work on because I love to incentivize people. I mean, I don't want to make it the only reason that they're referring me, but I'd like, I like to incentivize people for sending someone my way. So it's something that we'll be working on in the next couple of months is getting like kind of a formal kind of referral program for current clients and letting them know that it exists and they can take advantage. Cause right now I don't have anything formal in place, but people are still referring me. So I imagine, you know, once I do have something with kind of an incentive and a bonus, like, Oh, if you refer someone to me and they sign, you'll get like X amount of dollars from that sale, essentially kind of like an affiliate deal. Then mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I don't think that means that people are going to refer me more, but it will be a nice thing. Cause like sometimes people just don't think about it. They're like, you know, they're always praising you for your services and they love the work that you do, but they just kind of forget that you are open for other business. So I think that kind of helps people realize like, Oh, okay, cool. She is open to taking more clients or like, you know, sometimes people will be like, Hey, are you available to take more clients? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like we're an agency. Like you know, if, if I don't have the current capacity, I will, I always try to future cast so that I know, you know, okay, cool. We usually get influxes in, you know, January and October or whatever that time frame is. So I plan ahead and make sure that we have like, you know, if people in the team currently don't have the bandwidth, then I, you know, I hire in advance to plan for that influx. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Cause that's the other you know, tricky thing about, you know, running an agency is the fluctuation of clients can be, it it can be something that you need to watch closely and manage team alongside it. And I think that's what puts people off from moving into the agency model. I see that a lot in comments is "Mm, the fear of having to hire someone and then the income not coming in. Like, how do you manage that? Because there must be not only pick ups in business, but drop off in business over right. time. Right. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's times where like we signed five clients in one week and then I made like three hires in a month and that was insane, which that's always good because you're like, yay, more, more clients means more money. And obviously more money is coming in, but also more money ends up going out because you have to hire on new people because your current people may not have the bandwidth. For me, I anticipate the hires and then we, you know, we start the onboarding process and it usually ends up, they come on when the new client has come on typically, like after I'm, you know, I spend that time interviewing people. It's usually like a month long process just because I want to make sure that the people that we're bringing onto the team are going to, you know, they don't need to stay forever, but I would like someone who doesn't just stay to get trained and then leave. (laughs) So usually by the time we are able to bring them onto the team or we end up bringing them onto the team, it's that's when the influx hits. So it's like a nice thing. So we're not like having to pay for people just sitting around. I mean, and since they are contractors, they don't get paid until they have work. So that is helpful too. So I can bring on people and, you know, they may be brought onto the team and onboarded and not have work for two or three weeks until we're ready for them, but they're already there and onboarded and ready to go. I mean, and that's not to say that something may change for them in that time period where then they get over capacity and then can't do the work, but we, you know, I typically give them something to do in that time. So they're not like just sitting around twiddling their thumbs for a couple of weeks until we bring someone. And then of course, when things kind of fall back, you know, typically it's not so bad that anyone needs to be let go. Usually their workload just lightens up a little bit and, and you know, and your they team supplement. members, your team members are, they know that things are going to fluctuate. So you're not guaranteeing them like 20 hours of work a week. No, 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 no. Yeah. 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 So they, you know, whatever work they do, if they currently have, you know, three or four clients that they're working with for us, you know, they, I always try to get how many hour I gauge how many hours they are available per month, but it's not a guarantee that they will receive that many hours per month. But typically all of our clients, unless they're a launch client, they are ongoing monthly management clients. So if, 
you know, a contractor gets assigned to that client, as long as the client is still there and the, the contractor doesn't like make a million mistakes and have to be pulled off the project, they stick with that client for, you know, as long as the client's with us. So that's helpful too, because then they can kind of gauge, okay, cool. Well, this client, client A takes about, you know, 15 hours a month and client B takes 10 hours a month. So then they kind of know their hours for the month, even without me guaranteeing any hourly rate. But, you know, once they get to that point, they kind of know like how much each client is going to take per month. So then they can better gauge how many more people they can take on personally, or if they can take on any more people within the agency, if we have new clients and things like that. So I'm always kind of surveying them and seeing where they're at and saying, what is like your max hours you can take on this month? So I know if they have more bandwidth to take on clients or if I need to be hiring. It's very smart. Do you, how do you time track? Like we just delved into, you know, all of the hours and contractors and all of that. So the next question someone's going to ask is, well, how do you know how much time your contractors are spending? So therefore, how much do you need to pay them every week or every month? So do you use any kind of time tracking tool for your contractors? I do. Eventually, I think it would be nice to move to kind of like package rates for them. So it's not like a salary, but it's something like, here's how much you'll be paid every month. But we're not at that point quite yet. So everyone's still at the hourly rate. But yeah, so I use a time tracker and they invoice me. So I invite them. I use FreshBooks for my accounting. Eventually, I'll probably switch to QuickBooks, but I just haven't had the chance yet, but basically they are able to track their time in there and use it to invoice me. And then I'll pay them after they send their invoice. But yeah, so they track their time. I can view it anytime. And yeah. And I just have them put in the notes section, like what are, what tasks they're doing? Cause each client has their own little project. So they're able to build towards that project. So I know who it's for, but then they also will include like, for example, episode twenty show notes or episode 20 graphics or whatever that is. So I know what is what basically. And then from there, you know, we typically invoice on the second and fourth Fridays of the month. And then from there, they'll send me the invoice on those days. And then, you know, they'll get paid off of that. Right. Right. And then you're able to track the profitability of each client, right? Because you've got how much time your contractors are taking versus how much time, uh, how much you're charging the client. And therefore you can really start to project the profitability that each client is bringing in. Yep, exactly. And it helps me predict future rates too, because like, obviously when I was first starting, it was all based on how long it took me to do for things because our, our editors are billed per episode. So they'll just be like, it's whatever per episode. So I pay them a flat fee but everyone else is hourly. So at that point I was just kind of basing it off of how long does it take me to get everything done for each client? And then I kind of set my prices that way, but it, you know, it's allowed me to kind of fluctuate the pricing too, because, you know, I might be quicker than people on my team, at least at the beginning. So it's allowed me to kind of see where we're at there. And if I need to raise my prices or anything like that, because, you know, it's kind of a guessing game at first, especially when you bring on those first few people, because you're like, you know, they may be faster than you, but they may be slower than you at different things. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, it's just over time you become more comfortable with, you get more data to analyze the data to see what's going on and how much time it's taking somebody else. And given that you've got, you know, a couple of editors, now you even get more information around, you know, the different people and how long it's taking them. And so that just helps you to really build your business and really analyze your client pricing and your profitability within your agency. So good to hear that you've got systems in place to track all of that and gather that data. Right. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. And even if you're not paying your people hourly, I mean, I still think it's helpful for them to track their time at least in the beginning so that you can kind of see, you know, okay, this client is taking 15 hours across the whole team a month. Great. You know, and then if you see, it's like, oh, wow, this client is taking 25 hours a month. Why? They're not doing anything special. So what, where's the breakdown here? Yeah. You can start asking why, and then start diving into what's going on. So yeah. So good. So good. 
right, Jenny, we've dived into a whole heap of things today and it's been really good to dive behind your business because I, you know, the the questions that I hear come up over and over again of, oh, I'm, I'm not too sure about hiring a staff. I, there's a lot of fear around moving into an agency model because of having to manage staff and having to manage pricing and all of the things that go into multiple clients with a staff to deliver the service and quality of the service. There's a lot that goes into that. So I am super appreciative of you being so open and sharing what's going on behind your business today. That's been super helpful, I'm sure, to others who are listening, because I don't know about you, but I like to hear what other people are doing in their business so I can then go, oh, I should really consider that in my business, or I haven't thought about it that way. So appreciate you coming and sharing all of your behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I'm an open book and, you know, I wish that people were more upfront about this and, you know, I'm sure they are now, but when I was first kind of starting my business, I felt like people were just like, not very, not that they didn't want to be transparent, but no one was really sharing about it. Even if they wanted to be, they still, they, it was kind of taboo to talk about the behind the scenes. You just didn't talk about it as much. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to bring awareness to it because it's just, you know, it's nice to see someone doing something that you are aspiring to be doing and doing it, you know, and hearing what they have to say about it and how they did it. Because some people think, oh, did she just start an agency and grow overnight? No, you know, I've been in business since 2016, but from the outside looking in, people may not recognize that. So I think it's just so important to be transparent about all the steps of your business journey, whether it's good or bad. I mean, I know a couple of years of mine were not great. So it's, it's nice to be on the other side of things. And, you know, I always, when I was starting out my business journey, looked for people to guide me through that too, because, you know, it all seemed like, oh, cool. This person literally went from zero to $150,000 overnight. Like that's not realistic. So, and I think we can all run our businesses our own way. We don't have to follow a template. We don't have to follow a correct way of doing things. I think it's just being able to hear the stories of other people for us to then be able to ask ourselves, how would I like to do that? What works yeah. best for me? And how does that feel for me? And, and so with my business journey, I've only ever had employees. It's only recently that I've taken on contractors. So just, you know, that difference in our story that you've got contractors and you're happy with how that's working. Whereas mm-hmm. I like to have employees and have a team and surround myself with a team who I feel are on the business journey with me and cheerleading right. the business as well. So, but it's just, it's just different ways of thinking about it. It's yep. what works for me isn't going to work for you and vice versa. Yep. So I love that we're sharing the behind the scenes so others can ask themselves, how would this work for me? Right. Yeah, I agree. And then like, for me, the only reason I didn't bring on like full-time team members or even part-time team members is I just felt way too responsible for them putting food in their family's mouth at the end of the day. And with contractors, it's kind of like, they realize that they're not guaranteed to work. I mean, yes, they're going to have work at some point, but it may not be as soon as they sign the contract with me. I mean, right now we don't have anyone who's not doing any form of work, (laughs) but you know, in the very beginning stages, there was points where I was like, oh, you just have one or two clients, maybe, you know? So for me, it just felt too scary to bring on someone like even part-time as a non-contractor. Cause it's like, I just felt so responsible for putting food on their table, even though, you know, obviously since they were employed by me, that was the reason they were working for me. But as a con with contractors, it's like, yes, they have their own business and they may not be a hundred percent dedicated to me and my business, but they still make the time, you know, and if someone gets to the point where they seem like they're too busy in their own business to support me, then that's, you know, then we have that conversation. But for the most part, 
my team that I have, you know, they seem to be very supportive on the journey with me. They may not be, you know, as gung ho as me because they aren't, you know, they're not full time or anything, but they still are, you know, they make time for me and my clients. And if they're not where they're continuing to do that, then, you know, we have that conversation at that point. But yeah, for me, the main thing was like not feeling super like 100% responsible for putting food on these people's tables. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks so much again, Jenny, for joining us. If people want to reach out to you because they want to launch into their own podcast and have someone help them, where can they reach out to you? Yeah. So I, my, the place I hang out the most is on Instagram and I actually got a couple of weeks ago. So I had to restart, which is really no fun, but that's fine. My handle on Instagram is jenny.com. Sunnison, so S-U-N-E-S-O-N. And then my website is SavvyPodcastAgency.com. So you can check out my pricing and packaging there. But yeah, I mostly just hang out on Instagram. I also have a podcast called Savvy Podcasting for Entrepreneurs. If you are starting a podcast and you want to learn some, but you don't have the funds to outsource quite yet, that's the, your best bet for looking there. And then if you follow me on my Instagram that's where I'll be sharing a bunch of details about, you know, if you want to become a podcast manager and those kinds of resources. So yeah, that's the best places that you can find me currently. Fabulous. Love it, Jenny. Well, again, thanks so much for your time today and diving in behind the scenes and giving us a look at what a real business looks like and sharing all of the processes and the systems and the thoughts around how you are building your business and how that came about that is super valuable to someone else in the same boat or thinking about it so I am super grateful for having you on the podcast today yeah thank you so much for having me this is so fun and like I said I love diving into all the behind the scenes stuff because it's something I wish I would have had you know five years ago so thank you so much for having me you're welcome I really do hope that you enjoyed today's episode and diving behind the scenes in Jenny's business. We covered a lot. But there is one thing that I really want you to take away from today's episode, and that is to be able to ask the question of yourself, how does this work for me? What feels right for me and how do I want to start to grow my business? I was just in a Facebook group the other day and someone was asking the question, what job titles or what jobs do I need to have in my business? I'm preparing my business plan for the next, you know, 12 months and I know I need a team, but I'm just not sure about what people that I need on my team. And I want you to think about that differently because there is no one job position, there is no one job title, there is no ideal team. Everybody's business and their team look different. So I want you to think differently about how you're growing your business. I want you to ask your question or ask the question of yourself, what is the role of the person that I would need to employ or contract in order to move these things, and you'll have a list of tasks, how do I move these things off my plate? How do I get someone else to do these tasks in my business? And actually, you want to hand off responsibility. So you want to hand responsibility to somebody else. But you have to think about what that means for your business, what makes sense to you, as in what part of your client delivery service would make the most sense to you to hand off to a team member to get them to do those things. And that is how you get the right people onto your team. Not because it's a pre-existing job description in somebody else's business or it's a title of a job that you've heard somebody else employ, the title of the job is neither here nor there. You can call the title of the job anything you want. You can call it chief bubble blower if you like. But I want you to really think about what other things that you could easily offload to somebody else in order to complete your client delivery services 
and then begin to grow your team that way. So there's a whole lot of things in this episode I'm sure you took away as to how you can put systems in place, how you can just record simple videos to show your team how to do a task in your business, how to do the thing that you've always done that gets results for your clients. The most important thing of all though is to have systems in your business even if it is just you. It is just you in your business. The important part is to have systems in place so when it's time to bring on a team and grow your business and grow your agency, these systems already exist and you just need to show people how to use them. If you need some help with your business systems, then I've got a business systems cheat sheet and you can get your hands on that at sandrajulian.co forward slash systems. If you want to read the blog post about today's episode, then you can head on over to sandrajulian.co forward slash podcast 12. There you'll also find all of the links to today's episode so you can connect with Jenny and if you are interested or thinking about introducing a podcast to your business then Jenny will be able to help you and answer all your questions in relation to podcasting. She is also the behind the scenes whiz of virtual summits so if you've got any questions about virtual summits Jenny's your lady to go have chats with as well. But before you carry on with your day and I leave you, I've just got one favor to ask of you. I would really appreciate it if you could just take a couple of minutes to rate the episode and leave a quick review. It would really mean the world to me if we could get this podcast into the ears of more service-based business owners who are thinking about putting all of their efforts into growing an agency and serving more clients and having a bigger impact with their work. So a quick rate of the show and leave a review. I will give you a shout out on the next episode. I would truly appreciate your help in doing that for me. All right, my friend, that is me for this week. I will be back in your ears next week with another guest and another episode of Business Your Way. Until then, have a fabulous week.